0: Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, surviving the unexpected. I, like you, like life to be predictable. When you go on a job, you get your paycheck, you don't want to be surprised unless it's more money. More money is always a good thing, but less money is not. If you're like me, when you get to your car and crank it up, you expect it to go... You've had those moments when you get in your car and the unexpected happens. It won't crank. All of us like to feel that our dreams, our ambitions, our goals in life are predictably going to go in the right direction. We like that. But there are times when an unexpected thing happens, and when it happens, if it's bad enough, you wonder if you're going to survive it. Now, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what it is that you are dealing with in your life. But I believe that somebody needed this sermon to be changed today to this topic. Somebody has a situation that has come up in your life that you cannot quite explain. And you are trying your best to wrap your arms around it. So the big question today is, are you right now in survival mode? dealing with something that's unexpected? Are you just holding on, trying to stay calm, trying to to stay focused, but this is a bad moment for you? I thought it would be great to find somebody in the Bible who had an unexpected moment. And there's no place but 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17 through 24 that describes a moment when a man named Elijah is is being hosted by a woman who is a widow who has gone through a horrendous series of circumstances already. You know, when you've had trouble in your life already, you just think, I've already paid my dues. Anybody know about that feeling? <clears throat> you've had enough challenge, you've had enough difficulty, you feel like, okay, <laughs> it's time for me to be blessed now. But in this story, after all they've gone through, and you can read it on your own, it's, it's an amazing story, they find themselves back at the door of challenge again. And this time is horrific. This is not just the fear of being broke financially. This is not the fear of not having any food. This is a loss that's hard to describe. The threat of death or the reality of losing somebody is a tremendously challenging moment. It's really hard to get over. And people tell you to get over it. They give you little words and say things to you. And sometimes you're polite and listen and mm hmm, mm hmm. But it still doesn't remove all the pain. And so when you have an unexpected challenge like that that comes into your life, the question is, how do you survive it? And so in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17, there's an unexpected sickness. I want you to listen to what. The Bible says it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she, the mother of this young boy, came to Elijah. Now, please understand the stage, set the stage here. Elijah is a house guest. Elijah has already prayed them through a financial crisis. He's already prayed them through a hard time. And he met them. They were in crisis. So now Elijah is resting because the trouble is over, but now she has another crisis. She comes to the door and she brings in her arms her dead son. And she said in verse 18 to Elijah, what have I done? What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me? Read this with me, please, out loud. Come on. Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Have you ever opened the door and had this kind of surprise? Someone is standing there with a dead son in her arms and someone is standing there mad with you. And you just sometimes don't know what to say. There's no back and forth in this story. There's no... Response from Elijah that is uh, uh, that is other anything other than just shocked. She's mad, and she reveals something that's pretty profound. She blames herself for this, and blames Elijah for reminding her of her sin. You know, it's really it's really tragic to have an unexpected loss. The second tragedy is to blame yourself for the loss. You sent them to the store to get you something. You asked them to come and pick you up. And they had a wreck and a tragic loss happened. And you now say, if I had not asked them. There's there's something about that feeling of blame. So you don't just have the unexpected loss. You have the lingering long-term, tragic, emotional baggage of guilt. Come on, say amen. Are you there, church? It's hard on you. It's hard on you emotionally. It's hard on your mind. It's, it's hard to live through that. You know, a lot of kids, when their parents get divorced, they blame themselves. If we were better kids, if we were not always fighting, and, and all, they live their life feeling like, Daddy wouldn't have left if I was a better daughter. Or, this wouldn't have happened if I were a better son. Imagine this moment. What do you do when you have a moment like this? Now, here's here's what you learn about yourself. You learn what you believe. See, notice she knew who to take the dead boy to. If there's anybody that needs to be in this conversation, I need a man of God in this conversation. I need somebody that can touch God, talk to God, Because I'm dealing with something that's unexpected and I don't have a clue what to do. Now, on her side, that's how she saw the world. But on Elisha's side, I have a little bit of sympathy for him. Because I've had people come to me with unexpected challenges, looking for incredible answers. And I didn't know what to say either. I was sitting there and people call me sometime and they tell me a story. And I listen to them. I say, in my head, I'm saying, you need to run. Or I'm saying, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, and there are moments when I've, I've been muted. I just, I, I don't know what to do. And it's okay not to know. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. See, the problem is you think you have to always know something. You don't have to always know. Sometimes you're confused. Sometimes you're messed up. Sometimes you are, you are as lost as the person talking to you. But that's not important. Because you're not the answer anyway. Amen. Who cares that you confuse? If you were God, we'd have a real problem. But you're not God. Amen. You're not Jesus. You're not close. Everybody knows you're not God. So it's okay. So when you come to me, it doesn't matter. That's why I can do Q&A because if I don't know the answer, I ain't, I'm not the answer. I just tell them, I don't know. Practice. Come on, say. I don't know. That's what I say. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say. But I do know how this feels. I know how it feels to be at a place where you had great loss. And there's nothing like it. Oh, my God. There's nothing like sitting at the deathbed of somebody or feeling like you're going to be the person dying on the other side of that. I've watched a lot of people go through this, and I've had the experience of watching my mother pass. And I'm telling you, it's just, ooh, man, unexpected, sitting there going through all that emotion. I, I can feel for this woman. And then, you know, it was amazing. Sometimes when you're going through it, I have people, you know, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm sitting there with my mother at her deathbed. People calling me with their problems. Pastor, I have a Bible question for you. I'm sitting in my mother's deathbed. I don't care about the Bible right about now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Want me to be real or phony? What you want me to be? be real. Call me about your husband. Talk about you about the divorce. I'm sitting here at my mother's deathbed. Look here. Get divorced. Bam. There you go. <laughs> call me. What you want? I don't care who you stay with. (laughs) Me. What in the world? I don't care. I am totally uninterested in your issues right about now. You know, when you, you, this is a bad moment. You know, you, you, when you're in those places, you're trying to figure out how to maneuver through it. You're trying to swim through it. You're trying to make it. You know what I'm saying? And, and there are moments when you don't know what to say, who to blame. Is it your fault? Is it your sin? Did you do something wrong? And Elijah's sitting there just as confused as you, and I want to show you what happened. This is amazing. He now has what I call an unexpected responsibility. Lift your hands up in the air and say, I did not do this. Come on. But it's still your responsibility. You have been there? Those are not your children. Those are your daughter's children. She hooked up with Billy Bob. And now she done, then I brought Billy Bob Jr., Juniette, all of them to your house. <laughs> and he got the nerve to say, them is my children. Where your money? Put some money on the table, Billy Bob. <laughs> So, all this is now your responsibility. You know, you've been, people don't take care of themselves, and and you tell them to go to the doctor, you tell them to check themselves, and then they don't do right, and then they get all sick up, and now they're laying up in your house, and you're taking care of them, and it's your issue now. It's your responsibility. Elijah did not feel this was his responsibility, but it became his responsibility. And sometimes that's the way it is. This is your moment. You didn't create that debt, but now you got to pay it. That'll make you mad. You sent that kid to school that didn't even finish and you got a student loan. Lord have mercy, Jesus. And they're living with you too. you paying the student loan, they're living with you, and then they got an attitude. You know, you know, you know, you really <laughs> Jesus, help me, God. And I hope you in here with your attitude, self. I hope you in here. I hope you're listening to this message wherever it is, on demand, alive, wherever it is. You need to repent before the living God. That mess up your life, live with somebody. They're still helping you, and you got an attitude. You ought to get up every morning and fix them breakfast in bed. Yes, you ought to do it. I ain't, I ain't trying to throw no shade on you, but if you wouldn't have all them babies and that, now come on, I like, no, wait, everybody make a mistake. Okay, one, two. How many mistakes are you making? Talk to me. Amen. Let's get real for a minute. Let's be honest. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't be loved, I'm saying you have caused somebody else to take responsibility and, you're, and you got to understand what this side feels like. I'm not, no, I'm not saying somebody shouldn't help you. I'm simply saying understand how it feels to have somebody walk up to your door and say this is now your responsibility to drive me to work when you wrecked your own car and didn't keep it up. How in the world is that my job? I'll tell you what's kept me alive as a pastor all these years. It's something I say, and this is my little thing, you know, in my head I say it. Come on, say it. I can't own that. Oh, yeah, I say it all the time. What? Yeah, I got $50, but I can't own your issues. <laughs> my $50 wasn't for you. Just didn't get that to me for you. That's your seed. This is my seed. Come on, say amen. Even though I'm generous, I help a lot of people, but I'm just simply saying there's a moment when you are forced. And this is one of those moments. This is the moment where Elijah's dealing with something. And so I love his response. He takes the little boy, puts him in his arms, skip down to verse 21. And then he, he just kind of basically, I love this part of the Bible because what he does, I'm sorry, verse, I'm sorry, verse 19. He said to her, give, your, give me your son. I'm sorry, verse 19. Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. And he laid him on his bed. Now, I want, I want you to think about this for a minute. That's a long walk with a dead body. Had to be in shape, right? <laughs> Carrying him by himself. He carried him upstairs, lays him on the bed, and then he cried out to the Lord and said, read this out loud with me, please. Come on. Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? He's mad too. He's mad. He's upset. I mean, understand. (laughs) Nobody knows what's going on. Preacher don't know what's going on. Woman don't know what's going on. Son never do what hit him. This is a mess. What do you do in those moments? You got this unexpected sickness, this unexpected responsibility. You're sitting there dealing with this, and you don't know what to do. Here's what I like. When you're confused, you can be honest with God. God, I think this is your fault. You can say it. He's not, he's not afraid of you. You can lay it on the line. I'm I'm confused about this. I don't get this. Let me ask this question. Have you ever, don't don't lie in church now. (laughs) Have you ever in a nice, holy way kind of told God off? I'm waiting on you. Come on, come on. You know what I'm saying? You know, here's, here's how you do it. Maybe you don't recognize it. God, I don't understand this. I have been praying and talking to God, and I have told you what I need. Now, Lord, I'm praying again, and I come with authority, and I command the man to come into my life. You ever did that? You ever prayed? You ever prayed that prayer? Kind of told God off in a nice way. You kind of let him know, in the name of Jesus, I command. I want you to understand. There's a moment here. He's mad. He's kind of like God. You did this. I had not. Look, I'm up here minding my own business. I already helped this woman one time. She was broke and her Sunday was starving. And I came in and you know we worked out a miracle. You did the miracle. But you know what I'm saying? Now I'm. He dies and now she brings me this dead boy. And now what you? What do you want me to do? He's looking at the little dead. the boy dead on the bed. What you want me to do? What's the plan? There ain't no plan. You ever been where there is no plan? unexpected stuff happen. There is no plan. There's no plan. There's no, there, you don't know manual. You can't go to the manual and sometimes even the Bible and say, okay, let's see, what does the Bible say about this? You ever had that confusion? What does the Bible say? Say that with me. To come and say, what does the Bible say about this? So you're just sitting there trying to find a page. You go to Revelation and say, going to key you. That ain't the page. No, that ain't the plan. <laughs> <You try. laughs> then it's got a bunch of jacked up people in the middle of it, you know. You not go to the gospel. The disciples all messed up. You don't know where to go. So you call a guy like me. And then I'm sitting there saying the same thing you're saying. I don't know where to go either. So he does something that's amazing. He comes in with what I call an unexpected solution. And oftentimes, here's where I read this to you. I've noticed that's exactly what God does. Can you think of times in your life when God did something, he, he solved the problem for you in a way that you never dreamed? He came up with a plan, and you know, all you had to do was something, something. Just, you know, I, I'm big on that. Just do something. You know, I don't know which way to go, so I just pick away. Any, Eeny, meeny, mo. This is the way I'm gonna go. Meet me there, old oh, Jesus Christ. I need your help. <laughs> I mean, just anything. I just no, it don't matter, cause he he says, I'm at the east. I'm at the west, I'm at the north, I'm at the south. If you go high, I'm there. If you go low, I'm there. You can just, All you got to do is go that way. Come on, say, go that way. Come on, say it like you mean to say, go that way. Just get up and go that way. There's something about having the clarity in your mind that God is going to go with me. I can't go wrong because he's on either side of me. Hallelujah. Come on, shout amen if you're hearing me. You got cancer, you got a challenge, you got a problem, you got a physical issue, you got money issues, tell your neighbor, say, do, something. do something. There's something. There's something about doing something. I don't believe Elijah had any plan for this. He's completely caught by surprise. It's totally unexpected. But God saw it. He is the one that's all-knowing. He knew exactly what would happen to you on that day that it happened to you. He knew exactly where you'd be today. He knew exactly what would happen and sometimes he doesn't tell you a thing. I'm sitting there last night ready to preach my sermon and look up and the woman holds a hand out and had a little card say survivor and the Holy Spirit said, change the message to that. I said, what? How are we going to change the message? I had all this week, I hadn't prayed for months, How in the world. You could have told me this weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> change the message. What are you going to change the message to? Change the message to this. Surviving the unexpected. Well, I can preach that myself because I'm unexpectedly dealing with something that I did not expect. In my mind, I'm trying to now think, what Bible verse am I going to use? And and my mind is clicking and I'm trying not to let people think I'm texting. No, I'm looking at my Bible verse. I'm trying to find a verse. I got three minutes before I get up. You could have told me before, but sometimes God can't tell you because you can't listen. Your ears aren't on yet. You got to be surprised. Amen. So here's what he did. He came up in verse 21, this incredible idea. First Kings 17:21. Watch what he did. The Bible said, he stretched himself on the child. Oh, that's brilliant. Just jump on him. <laughs> this is, I don't know where this is in a manual somewhere. <laughs> Just jump on him and stretch out. So he jumped on him and... I just believe he done it and he cried out to the Lord. So you got to understand that he's, he's jumping and crying and praying that his soul would come back. It jumps on him one time. Come back. Oh, Lord, his soul, let it come back and nothing happened. Get up, you feel crazy. You ever did something that didn't work? <laughs> you ever tried? You ever gone into the business and did something? You ever had all these plans? You had this great idea. You thought, I know this is different. And you tried and you failed. And then you know what he did? Come on, say he tried again. See, I want you to understand this. See, God could have done it the first time. Sometimes you think God got a sense of humor. Say, try that again. I like that. That was unique. (laughs) Try try, try that again. Look at him, angels. He's jumping on him. He did. He's jumping all over (laughs) He's screaming. Look at him. He jumped on him again twice. Come on. Say, try it again." again. Nothing happened the second time. Now you know the second time you think you're crazy. Look, this is the devil. Now, what's going on here now? You're glad nobody can see you. Some of you have done things, you're glad nobody saw you. Nobody was there, nobody but you. But the third time, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. The third time, on the third day, the Bible said Jesus rose. Come on, talk to me, somebody. On the third day, on the third try, Lord said, I'm going to use this to prophesy what I'm going to do in the future. One day down, two days down, but not on the third day. On the third day, he rose. From the dead. Yes, he did. The Bible said, then the Lord heard, verse 22, the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came back to him. But the Lord heard the voice of who? Elijah. One more time. The Lord heard who? Elijah. He heard Elijah because Elijah was saying something. Some of you not saying anything. You got a problem, you're just staring at it, but you're not talking to God about it. You're crying about it and worrying about it, but you're not talking to God about it. I've had some serious challenges coming in my life. And I'm telling you, one day I had a challenge came in my life, and I came in this very pulpit, I came in this very, very sanctuary, and I stood before God, and I declared, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I will not be intimidated. And I prayed the prayer. Let me tell you something. The fervent, effectual prayer, the hot, sincere prayer of a righteous man avails much. Some of you need to start talking to your problem and start talking to God about your problem. Come on, say amen. So the Bible said, the child came back to life. He revived, verse 23. And Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper room and into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see your son lives. For then the woman, now watch this. Now this is important because the woman said something profound. She said, now by now this I know that you are a man of God. By this I know. By what? Yes. This I know that you're a man of God. And that the word of the Lord is in your mouth, is the truth. Because it works. Big talk and no work is nothing. Now let me backtrack here and say, but there's a question here. Everybody doesn't get this kind of result. That's a challenge. You ever had an unexpected challenge that didn't work out like you thought? So what if you don't get this kind of result? What if you survived but your best friend did not? Uh, How do you explain that good Christians died believing? I pray with people who didn't make it. How do you explain that? I went to a... um, Visit a member. I've told this before, but I walked in the room and I said, "You look great." And he looked at me, and I will never forget what he said to me. He said, "You're a lying preacher." (laughs) (laughs) He laughed and said, "You're lying." He said, "I'm dying." Yes, he did. And I said, "Yeah, you are dying." You look like your daddy. We both laughed. and In that moment, something came real to me. Most people can talk about the victory side of it because they have in their mind one kind of victory. And what intimidates you when you get bad news, what intimidates you when you are a survivor and they call you back to get that test a few months later or, and you got to make sure it didn't come back. It's a scary ride, waiting for the test results. And they call you and tell you to come the office, or they call you and say, everything's fine, you shout and you dance, you feel good, but man, I tell you, I've watched a lot of people go through that. What do you do if you, we're reading James chapter 5, verse 14, here's what it says. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, read this with me, please, come on. And the what? Prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will do what? Raise him up. What if that didn't happen for you? Your mama, my mother. See, this is where we run as preachers. You know, we, we, we tend to get into a little place and we, we don't want to answer the other question because we don't theologically know how to balance things. We feel like it's got to be one way, and if it's not that way, then something's wrong. I believe that God allows us to have dichotomies. He allows us to have issues. He allows us to have <clears throat> things, that, things that confuse us. He allows us to be um, unsure Then he doesn't answer us. Here's what Paul said, though. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 something that might help us if we listen. We, We like James, so we only talk about that verse, but he did say 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, this body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have to understand this is not our final destination. And the reality is that if you live long enough, this house does not last. If you live long enough, if you come here long enough, I won't be the pastor. Eventually, eventually, some one day they'll have my home going right here, here or some someplace, and I'll be sitting up in a chair waving at you when you come in. I mean, some of you know I've told y'all what to do, but that that's that. I hear you saying that ain't gonna happen. I hear you saying that I, you're already rebelling. But I want you to notice that if you live long enough, long enough, and it's something that's just true. So how do you balance the two? How do you manage this whole promise? I believe that God heals people. I believe there are people who get better and they survive and they do well. But eventually, even those people, their bodies fall into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because this is not our final resting spot. I believe 1 Peter chapter 2. By whose stripes we're healed, who bore our sins in his own body in the tree, that we, having died to sin, 1 Peter 2.21, might live for righteousness, for by whose stripes we, you were healed. I believe that the healings that do happen happen because of his sacrifice for us. But understand, that's not the final promise. And I, I find one final verse that I, I want to share with you that I, I think is amazing. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about three kids. And these guys are amazing. Shadrach, Meshach, and what's his name? (laughs) Bindigam. Three guys. And um, I I didn't put the verse down for you. We got excited and the Holy Spirit came on us. Look it up for me, would you please, real quick. It's in Daniel, I believe it's chapter 6. And one of the things that I find fascinating about this story is these three Hebrew boys did not have the kind of faith that made them worry. They were being thrown into the fiery furnace by the king, and they said something that really spoke to me. And I gave it to you here, I believe in the message version. And it really says how they processed death or the threat of it. They weren't sure they were going to survive this. There was no indication that they would. But they give what I call two-sided faith. Some people can only be good as long as everything is is good. If the result is perfect, they're fine. But if everything turns bad and gets into a bad place, they're not good. There's something profound about you being clear that God is God when you are having a tough day and God is God when you're having a good day. Come on, say amen, church. You hear me? Come on, God is God when you're on the mountaintop and God is God when you're in the valley. And if, you get, if you're not careful, you get lost in thinking everything has to end the way I see it. And here's what I believe. I believe you give the enemy power in your life when you're the kind of person who has to win your way. You know who you don't want to fight? You don't want to fight somebody who don't care. That's what you don't want to fight. You don't want to fight somebody who don't mind losing. You hit them. Oh, that's blood. That's all good. Come on, bring it back again. I mean, that—that's not somebody. That, they grab anything, you don't do anything, bite you, anything. But they, they just don't care. That's the person. Now, somebody pretty, you don't. You can fight them because they don't. Oh, oh, one hit. Oh, it's over. It's, 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 ouch! That hurt. That hurt. That that. You win. You win. But somebody that don't care, somebody who's reckless. So in Daniel chapter three. There's this incredible story. And look at verse 18, if you will please. Daniel chapter 3. And I didn't know chapter 6 is Daniel. Chapter 3 is the the, the Hebrew voice. Come on, temple. Daniel chapter 3. It's in my brain. Sometimes I get it. Chapter 3. Watch this verse 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king. Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can do what? Can rescue us. From your roaring furnace, the God we serve can rescue us from the roaring furnace. And any, anything else you might cook up, O king. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't, come on, read that with me, please, come on. But even if he doesn't, it would not make a bit of difference, O king. We, sh- we, we, we won't serve you no matter what. Understand, we have a two-sided attitude. I'm not changing my mind no matter what happens to me. If I got money, I don't have money. If I'm healed or not healed, it doesn't matter to me. My faith is fixed. See, what you do is you take the sting out. It's the fear of death that makes it hard for you to survive. It's the fear of losing your life and losing everything. It's when you say, I know in whom I believe. I know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This might be scary, but I serve a God who's able. Come on, say amen. I serve a God who is able. And I want you right now to lift your hand before God and say it. Say, in the name of Jesus. Come on, say, in the name of Jesus. I will survive. Come on, say, I will survive the unexpected. Father God, I declare it in your name that your people today will rise above the things that have come into their lives to challenge them. That make them believe they can't overcome. I speak strength to them today. I speak power to them today. I declare in Jesus' name. Stand up on your feet with me. Put your stuff down. Stand up on your feet. Father, we lift our hands to you today. And we declare in Jesus' name that we are not going to be intimidated by the unexpected. We are survivors. Nothing will stop us from believing in the name of Jesus come on in the name of Jesus hallelujah glory to God hallelujah put your hands down for a second a friend of mine told me something one day we are just talking He's a fun guy. We we have a lot of fun together. He said, Temple, he said, listen, if you don't have a moment in your life where you are pressed financially, you're not doing anything. You might be able to pay your bills, but you got a business deal that you're struggling to put the money together for. Or you got a business that's not not prospering like you you wanted to. You made an investment that didn't get the return you wanted. He said, you can't, can't be afraid when it gets to be challenging because that's a sign you're doing something. Bishop Dale Bronner told me that. We were just chatting one day. Sometimes you think everything in your life has to be smooth. But I'm telling you, it don't have to be smooth. You got to learn how to toughen up and say let it come in Jesus' name. Come on, let it come in Jesus' name. Let it come. Praise God. Sometimes you have unexpected tension in your marriage. This is good for you. What do you mean, Pastor? You need to get it out. First person's frustrated. Well, what would you frustrated about? You wanted to be buried? That's how you end up in a bad place. Some of you would have survived your relationships if you had been more willing to let your frustrations come out. You want to know? I'm not a frustrated pastor. I'm thankful that. I'm thankful I'm not one. If I want to wear jeans, I can wear jeans. If I want to wear whatever, you guys sit on with it, Pastor Rick. Just wear clothes. Praise God. You get to a place where you change. And you can't say how you feel. And if you're in a relationship with a group or a family, and you can be honest, you can deal with those unexpected changes in your life, those unexpected feelings. And there's something about about allowing God to manage those moments. So if you're dealing with something unexpected, I'm going to take a minute. i got five minutes. Step out. I'm praying for people. Dealing with the unexpected. Come on down. Anybody got something you're dealing with unexpectedly? Come on. I'm going to pray real quick. It's a quick prayer. Step on out for a second. I'm praying. If you're watching from home, I want you to just know God's going to touch you with this prayer. I believe there's something powerful that happens when people pray. When they take out, I'll take a moment to say, you know, yeah, I am managing something. You, know, you don't have to explain to anybody. Stop worrying about people. Just tell them, excuse me. That's it. They, it's unexpected that you're gonna move, but who cares? This is about you. this is about you, not about them. You worry too much about what people think, too much about what people say. You're you, you just you're dwelling on stuff. I'm surprised. I said this the other week. I, I I said, you know, there was a I've been surprised that every now and then a bucket of inse- un- insecurity gets poured on me. All of a sudden I just feel insecure. I feel like. I'm losing it or something. You know, if you, you speak as much as I do, if you have a, a bad sermon or a, a, don't feel too good about it, and the devil says, yeah, you lost it. That's it. That's your last good one. That's it. <laughs> you, you know, you're in trouble. And, and when you get up, if you're not careful, you're not confident. And so you have to learn how to say, Father, in Jesus' name, I will not allow this to dominate me. It came on me uh, a few weeks ago. This came out of nowhere. Just uh, uh, part, part of the reason I was speaking in front of thousands of people. And so, and I, and I walked in the room. It was, something hit me. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I've done this many times before, but every now and then, it just hits you. Oh, boy. All right. Watch out. Watch out. But come on. God is able. Come on, huh? God is able. 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 Hallelujah. Come on. God is able. God is able. Come on. God is able. Come on. God is able. Come on, people. Come on. Worship him today. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. Yes, he is. Father, we declare in Jesus' name that the unexpected will not dominate us. We declare in Jesus' name that we will rise above whatever is happening in our lives, and we trust our our God to guide us through it. And so, Father, with our hands lifted, come on, hands lifted, we speak the word of God to the challenge, and we speak to the insecurity. We bind it in Jesus' name, and we declare, I will not allow this to dominate me. I will not allow this to control my life. I will be like the Hebrew voice. Our God can deliver us. But if he does not, he's still God. He's still God no matter what happens in my life. I trust him with my future. And I give you all the praise. And I give you all the glory. And I give you all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a big praise. Come on, give God a big praise. Hallelujah going back to your seats. God is good. God is good. Man, are you glad you came today? Come on, are you glad we changed the message? Come on, praise God. Father, we pray for everyone here today and everyone that's watching from home. If there's someone here that say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I need need Jesus in my life. I need the change of life. My life is not going in the direction And I wasn't expecting this moment, but I need to give my life to Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, every hand down for a second, if you say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray one special prayer for me because I want to get my life right with God today. I want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Say, yeah, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. You're just telling me to pray for you. That's all you're saying. Pray for me. I need to start a life with Jesus today. My life is not going in the right direction, but I need God in my life. Anyone, just raise your hand, raise your heart in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for those who raise their hands and those who raise their hearts. May this be a moment that their lives will change, both here and at home. I declare by faith that lives are touched, that people will never be the same, and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 Give God one more big hand clap. Come on, one more big hand clap. God. Is-